Yeah, so, um, PM is, oh, sorry, Pastor Mark, I call him PM. <laughs> He's been um, talking about um, spirit-led evangelism and um, what it means to, um, to evangelize um, Jesus' way, how Jesus taught us to evangelize and what Jesus did. And in the first week, so I'm really going to talk about what he talked about, but I'm going to be talking about it. So, um, in with one, he said evangelism is meant to be an overflow of who we are in Christ. That we need to start seeing church as more than these four walls. He talked about paradigm shift, which is a change of our thinking in the way we see things or act, or act out our Christian life. He talked about, you know, that verse in Corinthians where and the enemy of this world has blinded the mind of the people so that they can't receive the good news of the gospel. And, um, and we who have the light inside of us have not made a good job of using that light inside of us as Jesus would have us use it. But instead, we approach evangelism from a judgmental point rather than from a place of power and love. Amen. And then um, last week we talked about meeting the need of um, the, uh, I think the week before, of the people by demonstrating God's power in healing and miracle, and then meeting uh, people's needs. So we change our nation or city or place of work by praying and releasing his peace, and then watch for those who respond. Yeah, that's where we were last week. And then he talked about step two, which was relationship. So when people open up to us, how do we then build that relationship? And that is kind of leading me nicely to what I'm about to talk about today. And um, in the summer, just the beginning of the summer, PM gave me a book called um, um, Power, um, Prayer Evangelism. And most of the things he's been talking about and really the things that I'm going to talk about, kind of that book has a background to it, so I'm not, um, I'm just giving him, giving Ed, Ed, Sivazio, the first recognition. After that, the preach is mine. <laughs> Amen. So um, he was talking, um, PM is be talking around about Luke chapter 10 and about how Jesus taught his disciples to evangelize. So I think, I don't really know what the title of this preach is, maybe evangelizing Jesus' way or, you know, um, I don't know. I think at the end of it, Caroline and PM will work out what the title will be. Amen. So, but I'm going to talk about the things that Ed actually talked about in the book that really struck me. And these are like binary truths in the Bible. And that one of the, the, the plans of the enemy, the, what, the, one of the tactics the enemy uses is to take a scripture in the Bible and kind of like twist it a little bit. And then we just buy into his truth rather than Jesus' truth and then start to act from that place. And we just go about saying these things, believing they are the truth. And one of uh, that binary truth is um, grace and truth. The order in which those two words appeared in the Bible. So, and, and my understanding when he was talking about it, so when we read the word of God, we just don't read about what the word says. We should pay special attention to the way those words are arranged in the Bible. 
because the Bible is so perfect, it's so complete, and God is so perfect, it's so complete that everything that is in, that, in this book is there for a reason. And the way they've been arranged have been arranged in the book for a reason. And when we apply those things in the way that they appear in the scripture, then we are doing things Christ's way. Amen? And so, he, I wrote this down. Say, um, say, Satan fights through the word, not by changing the word, but by suggesting an interpretation and application of the text, he quotes. Satan is always trying to produce opposite effects of what the word of God is designed for. And, you know, so my uh, foundation scripture today is taken from John chapter 1, verse 14. And it said, Jesus is full of grace and truth. In, let me just read it from that. Oh, can you put it up? No. So this is John. John was with Christ from the very beginning. So John is recounted his account of what they, as the disciples, saw first in Jesus, how Jesus came. And it says, so the word became human and made his home amongst us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And, you know, other scriptures says it was full of grace and truth. So grace and truth are the perfect equipment that Jesus brought to the world, to connect with sinners, to connect with us. And so, when we go to evangelize, just as Jesus came full of grace and truth, that is when we present the gospel in that order, grace and truth, then we'll be evangelizing Christ's way. So when that steps to about relationship, when we have relationship with people, how should we then evangelize to them? How do we present Christ to them? Because most of some of us, um, this is really important for me because I wasn't born a Christian. I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. My parents were not Christians. Their parents before them were not Christians. My older brothers and sisters were not Christians. I was the first Christian in my family. But I, so I wasn't born into this wonderful family where I was taught, I was taught disciplined, I was taught moral things, I was taught how to, you know, live my life in, you know, uh, my parents were full of integrity, and so I grew up that way. And there were some things that we didn't actually do, and when we see people doing them, you say, oh my God, you turn your nose, you know, up on them to say, how do people behave like that? That's so wrong. I know we grew up like that, but there are other group of people who grew up in a Christian home and they've been taught right and wrong and they, you know, they, they know the word of God, they've been saved, but, you know, maybe from five, six years old. And they also behave like me because they can't understand why people do some of the things they do because it's just not done. So, you know, and then, and from that angle, we present the gospel to the people we meet. But I'm so thankful to God that when God found me, he found me in that place where people probably turned their noses up at me. I was not in a good place. I was um, married at 22, divorced at 24, and people, like in my family, for example, 
they, that wasn't done. I didn't know anybody who was divorced. We were not friends with anybody who were divorced. We were not, we didn't know anybody who was divorced. I was the, I was the first of everything in my family. So, <laughs> so I was the first girl to be educated. So after that, they thought it was a mistake because I could speak for myself. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I didn't want. So when God found me, his grace was made so evident to me. I wasn't saved by, you know, so a, a girl when I was at school made an attempt to save me, but he came with, you know, hell and things, and I had a dream of hell, and I ran to church. But after that, after saying the prayer, I, turned, I didn't go to church again. I just went about my own life. But when Grace found me, on the 26th of December, 1993, I've never looked back. So I'm thankful to God that because grace found me, when I look at people, I, I, I try to see them with the same eyes that Christ saw me. Right. So today, really, what I want to talk about is about evangelizing in that order of grace and truth. And, and to look at when we are presented with people in front of us and having that relationship, is to always ask of us this question. If this person was standing in front of Jesus right now, in their mess, in their brokenness, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus minister to them? How would Jesus evangelize to them? What would Jesus see? Would Jesus see them as people who are just broken, they're alcoholic, they're addicted to pornography, or they are, they are adulterers, or they are fornicators, or they, you know, they speak blasphemy. But what would Jesus see? And, and that really, looking at it like that, I'm thinking, oh my God, even as much as grace was given to me, I don't think I've actually extended that same amount of grace to other people. So when PM is talking about having a relationship and accepting people's hospitality, when we go into people's home to see that their house is not as tidy as our houses are, and that their children are not as well behaved as our children are, and then we see that you know, maybe the food they have or whatever it is is not up to our standard, how do we engage with them? How do we relate to them? I say, Jesus came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So yesterday, as I was meditating on this in the afternoon, I stood by the window in my prayer room, and looking, just looking at the garden. And sometimes I do space out. So I started off by thinking about God. At the end of the day, I didn't know what I was thinking about. I was just <laughs> gazing out. And I just sensed in my spirit, you know, say, Jesus, the way we tell people have you heard people say, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free? And we quote that scripture from the fact that if I tell you about how messed up your life is, you might want to do something about it. So we tell them the fact about their circumstances. We tell them the facts about their sins because sinners know they are sinners, right? It's a fact, but that's not the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
and that when we present the gospel to people and we quote the scripture that you shall sit there, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you. It means you shall know Jesus, he who came and gave you life and he will set you free. And the things that draw those people to Jesus is grace. So grace is like, I was looking for one line to say, like you said about, you know, um, Walking, telling somebody the truth without love is like kiss, giving somebody a passionate kiss with bad breath. Yeah. <laughs> that, I can't erase that from my memory. So, <laughs> so, I wrote down that, you know, grace it is to, um, that grace draw people to Christ like steel to a magnet. I don't even know if that's real, but I loved it when I was coming out. I wanted to say something intelligent, but, you know. <laughs> you know? But grace is what draws people to Christ. And I was looking for examples in the Bible about how Christ evangelized. How did he do it? You know, Pierre mentioned one example two weeks ago. Last time said, don't preach my message. You know, it's about the one that struck me most, really, is about that, um, about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, that's how his name is pronounced, right? Anyway, so, so out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was, this is John 1, 16 to 17, said, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ. And so how did Jesus apply that grace? Why was it that sinners were drawn to Jesus. Why was it that everywhere he went, even when he tried to escape, they found him, they seeked him out, they, they looked for him because there was something in Jesus that people were drawn to. Jesus was righteous. He was holy. He was the only one who can judge our sins. He was the only one who can judge people. The only one who can look at people and see the sins in their heart. And yet, sinners didn't run away from Jesus like they do from us. They ran to him. Why? Why did sinners run to Jesus? Because when they looked at Jesus, they didn't see that, you know, I am holier than thou. I am greater than you. I am perfect and you are not. They saw grace. They saw grace, and grace pulled them to Jesus. And in standing in front of Jesus, who is the truth, they were set free. Jesus never once said to one sinner, you need to clean up your life. Never said to one sinner, you know, yes, but I'm going to pray for you, but until then, you need to go and stop drinking. You need to go and stop fornicating. You need to go. Please hear what I'm saying. I am not saying that grace covers up those things. What I'm saying is that grace draws you to the place where you are saying, I am better than this. This is not what Christ died for. And then that grace draws you to the truth, that truth is Jesus who can set you free from those things. That's what I'm saying. Grace is not a cover-up. Grace is an enabler. Grace enables us to see the truth in Christ. And then we say, oh my goodness, why am I bound in these things when I don't need to? 
That is the grace I'm talking about. Grace and truth in that order. Drawing people to the truth. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2a that it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. You know, often when we've received that grace and be saved, we forget that it's the same for everybody else. We say, yes, Jesus, I'll take that, thank you, and we quote it. It is by grace that I've been saved through faith. But when we have people standing in front of us who are messed up, you know, I used to, um, went a few times with Linda and Wiley from here in the street with Phil and Maggie as well, you know, and I've seen these people really, you know, if you have to, if you pay attention to your nose, you won't go anywhere near them. Yes, I felt drawn to hug them. I used to hug them. And one man made really impact I me mean, was, you know, after, was it after two days or three days that he died? You know, uh, and, and that was for me. That stayed with me for a long time. You know, to Jesus, that man had his fragrance over him. I mean, in the natural, the fact was they stank. That's the fact. But the truth was, Jesus gave his life for them as much as he gave his life for me. And the grace that Jesus extended to me on that 26th of December was sitting right on the balcony, barefooted, no shoes, because I didn't even know how I walked from my house from Edgeware Road to Kensington Temple. And Colin Dye looked up through the eyes of Jesus. He didn't know me, never been there. And God mentioned me by name. He saw me exactly where I was. I left that building a changed person. That's the grace I'm talking about. That his grace saw me just as I was. And he's seeing those people in front of us just as they are. We often as Christians forget where we came from, what he saved us from. But today, I'm saying, even if you were raised in a Christian's home, I'm praying that today you will get the revelation of the grace of God for all his children. And that is the grace that draws people to the truth. The truth is not about how messed up they are. The truth is Jesus Christ. And it's in knowing Jesus Christ that freedom comes to them. Amen. So how did Jesus... Um, Evangelize. I looked in the Bible and I thought, and there was one thing again that really excited me. I'm excited about it. You know when you read the genealogy of Jesus in, in Matthew? That, and even in the whole Bible, there are very few women's names mentioned in the Bible. But look at the genealogy of Jesus. Look at the names of women that the Holy Spirit thought were worth mentioning in Jesus' genealogy. Broken women, loose women. Could God be saying something to us? To say, the more messed up you are, realizing that you need Jesus, that the more grace abound to you. And shouldn't we see that? and witness to people the same way. 
showing people the love and grace of God. Zacchaeus was a man, he was a tax collector. So don't worry, not your kind of accountant. He was, he was, he works for Inland Revenue, right? <laughs> and Jesus, he entered um, Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Why? Because Jesus' testimony had gone before him. So he wanted to find out, who is this Jesus that everybody is talking about? Could it be possible that a task collector like me can actually receive this same grace that the blind man has received? That, you know, can it be possible? So because he was so, well, PM talking about him, he couldn't even see Jesus. He was so drawn to Jesus that he climbed up a tree. How many unsaved people who are in sin actually go out of their way to seek us out? In our places of work, how many people go out of their way to seek us out? Aren't we supposed to do the great work that Jesus did and even greater? And he is in us as he is in the Father. So that means we carry the same heart that we really, we are mini Jesuses walking this earth. How often do people seek us out to hear what we have to say, to say, hey, Joyce, I want you to minister to me. I want you to tell me about Jesus. Because I've been seeing, looking at you, I've seen, you know, how wonderful you are. I really am not a good representation. <laughs> you know? How many people come to us? Zacchaeus heard about Jesus, his grace and mercy. He couldn't see Jesus. He climbed up a tree. And Jesus being who he is. I mean, isn't it amazing that he just happened to look up? Is, you know, was that a coincidence that Jesus really just happened to look up? He said, no. He came to seek and save the lost. Just as much as Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus, Jesus was seeking him. So Jesus looked up and saw him. He said, hey, guy, come down the tree. You know, I'm dining at your house tonight. You know? It's like, me? Are you talking to me? I'm a tax collector. You know, I, I, you know, increase the percentage a little bit and I steal from people a little bit. Are you sure, really, you want to have dinner at my house? It says, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and he could not see, he climbed up a tree. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. When Jesus reached the spot, so wherever you know, this is not even just for the unbelievers, us going out. I want to say this to you this morning, that when Jesus reached your spot, he knows exactly where you are, what you need, and he will offer it to you. Your heart just has to seek him for whatever it is, whatever that situation. So Jesus looked up and he saw him, and he, saw, he said, um, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Don't climb up. 
go through the crowd. I see you. You may be short, may be unable to make your way to me. I see you. Come down immediately. Don't hide any longer. You are the reason I came. You are the reason I'm here. You are the reason I stopped by. Come down immediately. And he came down and said, I must stay at your house tonight. Listen, he didn't say, I must visit your house tonight. He said, I must stay at your house tonight. You know, the words in the scripture are chosen carefully because Jesus abides. He remains. When you extend grace, don't go one time and leave them. Abide. Stick. Have a stickability. That's new words for the dictionary. <laughs> stay. Remain. Jesus said, I must stay at your house tonight. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly because grace reached down to him because grace saw him as he was and he met him where he was at and he said, I love you. You are valuable. In the midst of all these people, as short as you are, as insignificant as you may be, because it's important, that's why, because people saw him as, in, as insignificant, as insignificant you appear to the world. I see you. Because grace saw him. He welcomed him. So when we witness, when we evangelize from that place of grace, grace will cause those people to be opened up to receive and welcome Jesus, who is the truth, into their life. And it is at that point that they get set free. Listen to what he did. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You know, he's visiting a sinner. People complain a moment. And, you know, why is if Jesus really was who he said he was, didn't he know that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, the greatest sinner of all? He is eating with him. Because sometimes, some, some things that stops us, we look at our other Christians, brothers and sisters, and say, they can't, I can't be seen with this person. What would they think of me? If Joyce is a friend to a gay guy, or a lesbian, or a, a trans... What is the other one? <laughs> yes. Everything that we think the Bible is against. What would people think of me? People will always, they will complain because Jesus said the servant is not greater than the master. They mutter about Jesus' actions. They will mutter about you. But what you need to do is to say, what did Jesus do? What did he do? Jesus went in and ate with him. And when Zacchaeus met with the truth, Jesus never told him he was a tax collector. Jesus never told him he stole from people. Jesus never told him all the things he did wrong. Zacchaeus encountered the truth. And then he stood up and said to Jesus, Look, Lord, here and now, not tomorrow, not the day after, not next year, I give half of my possession to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, 
out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Isn't that amazing? That is not so difficult for us to do. The paradigm shift that PM was talking about, all we have to do is to say, when we look at somebody, we should look at them with the eyes of grace. Just where they are. When they are smelling on the roadside. You know, Les used to be his favorite thing to do, the most favorite thing in the world to do when we were in London. He had an office in Kilburn. And that's where his office was. And then at lunchtime, there was, you know, there's a, there's a park in, in, in Kilburn, and this drunk, you know, this uh, mainly Irish guys, I'm not saying they are all drunk, but that's, you know, these guys, you know, they've traveled all, some, some Scottish guys, they were homeless. Some of them, you can see the man, he was wearing his dicky bow dinner. He walked out of a dinner with those, you know, well-dressed, and he's never gone back. And he's always dressed like that on the street with the really nice dinner jackets and his evening suit. Les used to go and buy like portion of chips and whatever. And then he used to go and sit on the bench, not offering it to them. He, they sat there and said, would you share my lunch with me? And he used to sit down with them and they all used to eat from that, um, you know, you know, the wrapping thing. And first I used to think, you are just as mad as them, you know. <laughs> Why would you do that? But since I've grown, I really say that let's actually left that path smelling of roses to Jesus. You know, and then I started doing it after Sundays in church. We used to, we used to really get dressed up in church to go to church on Sunday in London. And there was um, and our church was in North Audley Street, so it was between Laura Ashley and then Stephages was across. And you just to have this wealthy people going there with, you know, all our Louis Vuitton bags and everything, walking past all these people sitting there, not even giving them a look. But when I saw what Les was doing, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to actually stop and used to sit just by them, while, you know, the begging, not standing and looking down at them. I just felt to do it. And some of these people have the most amazing stories, how they came to be where they are. And some of those stories broke my heart. And every Sunday we did the same. We used to give them maybe 20 pounds, you know, grandson. It's not my place to judge them whether they're going to use the money on drugs. Some of us say, oh, come, we're going to buy you food because that's what you, that's what you need. If I give you 20 pounds or 10 pounds, you're just going to go and buy drugs. Without what Jesus would really do? Jesus gave me what they needed for them, what they, what they you know, the, and then from there, he'll speak to that thing inside of them that causes them to do as a, what they do. And that, you know, I've not had so much opportunity to do it in Cambridge because I don't really listen, but Catherine started to do it. No one's told her. She stops for every person begging on the street, either kneel, kneel by them, talk to them, and she'll come and tell us all sorts of stories about, about these people. And I think some of us need to do that. 
Because instead of standing in that place of judgment, we can stand in the place of grace. Amen. <coughs> and then the next one is Mary Magdalene. You know, do you remember the woman caught in adultery? Everybody brought, you know, this woman, the, the, the men who knew the Lord, the judges, they came and they brought her and they said, you know, this woman was caught in the very act. I don't know if they didn't lock their doors, but, you know, the very act of adultery. So in the law, this is what we need to do. We should stone her to death because that's what the law said. Did Jesus say that wasn't what the law say? No, because Jesus knew what the law was. That was the law. But remember, Jesus came full of grace and truth. Jesus knew what the law said. And so he didn't tell them, no, the law didn't say, you know, or this is what the law said, yeah, stone her. Or what the law didn't say, or whatever, he didn't argue. Jesus said he was writing. And then he stood up and he said to them, for example, you know, I think this is, I'm speaking for Jesus now, saying, thinking, he said, well, I know what the, what the law says. This woman deserved death because that's the law. She deserved to be stoned to death. But you know what? So if I am going to save this woman by the law, which is what we do, I don't stand a chance because I'll be going against what my father gave to Moses, right? But I've come for a different reason. So, and he said to them, well, she, did, she does deserve to die. He didn't actually say those words. But let one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. And then one by one, the Bible said, they all turned away. They dropped their stones in the film, <laughs> and they all left. And Jesus went straight, looked straight in her eyes. He said, where are your accusers, women? Does no one condemn you? He said, no, Lord. I said, neither do I. And then Jesus didn't leave her just knowing the grace. Then he spoke to the reason. She was, he was there in the first place. I said, go and sin no more. Grace. She encountered grace. And then when we looked at how Mary Magdalene followed Jesus everywhere, when Jesus rose from the dead, do you think it was coincidental that it was important enough to mention in the Bible who first saw the Lord? Who was the first person he sent to go and tell? was this woman, Mary Magdalene. That's why we women, we are still telling, you know. That's what we do. We tell, you know, go and tell, we chat. No, but really, seriously, <laughs> seriously, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. Because somewhere in the scripture, Jesus said, for whom much has been forgiven, we praise much. Grace. Grace met her at the very worst position, the point of death. She was, in, obviously, in Israel in those days, she was committing adultery. I mean, she was committing one of the, 
really, well, now it still is, and grace reached down to her, put her up, and he said, neither do I condemn you. But he didn't leave her there, said, go and say no more. So for some of us who think when, grace, when, we, when we extend grace to people, we are not actually telling them how bad they are, they will not know that. Listen, if you are a sinner, you know you are a sinner. If, you, if, you, if you're doing anything wrong, you know. We don't, we don't need to be told. And yesterday when I got that revelation that what you are just do, doing is telling them the fact about their circumstances. You're not telling them the truth. Facts about circumstances do not set people free. Knowing the truth, the truth is a person. And it's a person of Jesus. And what draws people to that truth is grace. Grace and truth in that order. Binary truth that the enemy likes to twist. The enemy would like to tell Jesus standing in front of Mary Magdalene and said, you know you have committed adultery, right? And you know what the law says. You shouldn't be doing that. You are a married woman or the person you're committing adultery with, whatever is the marriage man. And that is a really sin. God does not like that. So we present what the scripture says, what the truth is. And then we come back. After we've beaten them up, we say, oh, you know, there is grace. Jesus went on the cross. Isn't that the other way around? So by which time you've already got their back up, they now feel like the worst of the worst, and they just want to flee from you. So the steps of that relationship, when we look at people, when we see people, look at them with the eyes of grace, say, I love you just the way you are. I love you just the way you are. And as their heart opens up, as they are drawn to Jesus in you, because something would have drawn them to you, like the woman by the, um, not the woman by the well. Jesus didn't miss his way to come through Samaria. He knew that he went specifically for that woman. He went out of his way to meet the woman. You know, that's one of my favorite you know, story in the Bible. Because that's where I was. You know that song, fill my cup, Lord. I was like that woman, you know, running after things that do not satisfy. But then I hear my Savior calling. Say, daughter, come drink from the well that will never dry. And then she said, well, fill my cup. Jesus met with her. And while Jesus was talking to her, he said, give me what Jesus knew that a Samaritan cannot give a Jewish person water to drink. And yet, he said, I don't see all the men you've been with. I don't see the loose life you've led. I don't see any of those. I see you, the daughter of, you know, of Abraham or whoever you are. I see them. I see the brokenness. I see all the life you led. I say, when I see those things, I don't actually recognize them. But what I recognize is that jewel that I came to give my life for, and you are that. So give me water to drink. And after Jesus is, you know, engaged this woman in conversation, the light came on. And you know that wherever you are, wherever those people are, you know, that woman didn't go to other women to go and tell them about Christ. You notice that he went to the men? That, you know, whatever it's happened in our life. God turns it for our glory. He uses it. 
He went, she went to the men to say, come on, guys, I've met this man who has told me everything. By the way, he knew I've been with you as well. So, you know, <laughs> you know just come on. And he didn't judge me. And then when they, didn't they come to Jesus and they said, you know, now we don't believe because you told us. Now we believe because we have encountered him ourselves. They come, the grace draws them, and they encounter the truth. And the truth sets them free. So now read Jesus' genealogy. You know, those that made it there are not the one who thinks they are perfect. Are not the one who thinks we've done this and we've done that for God. But those, the lowest of the low, those who were who received much grace, they made it in there. Amen. Amen. And then in verse 27 of um, John chapter 4, verse 26, the story of the woman, it said the disciples' reactions said they were shocked. They were shocked when they found Jesus talking with a woman, not just a woman, that particular woman who Jesus saw as precious. And Jesus chose that woman to reveal himself as the Messiah. The things that the whole Jewish people didn't get, the woman got to find out. The woman, he opened his mouth to say, yes, I am the Messiah. Jesus revealed himself to a broken vessel, a cracked pot, like me. He showed grace before truth. When I went, I went to a wedding um, in London to one of my old church where she was doing a traditional <laughs> traditional wedding. Mark, oh, traditional wedding. Yeah, so I went to a traditional wedding. And I was sitting on the table with this group of people. And we started talking, and then somehow the thing turned into church, and then, you know, Joyce, you know, I was just reading these things about the grace and truth, and then I started talking to them about grace and truth. So we talked about it, and then we just say, so after we talk about how we, oh, we really miss this, because we used to do that, you know, a lot, um, like challenge each other, do different stuff. And she said, Joyce, let me ask you a question. Oh, my gosh, yeah. She said, you know, do you follow this um, Christian um, um, stories about how, you know, they can't preach at work or whatever, things, how they've been challenged in different areas? And say, and there's this guy, Paul Diamond, who, you know, represent them. I said, oh, yeah, I know of him. You know, by the way, he used to go to the same church. <laughs> anyway, so he said, so now we've been talking about this grace and truth. So let me ask you a question, because this is now really just challenging me from what you've been talking about. I said, okay. So she said, do you remember the case of that baker who... Um, he, they were asked to bake this um, cake for the gay pride and they refused to bake it and whatever. She said, yeah, she said, so what do you think about that since you've been studying about this grace and truth? I said, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I just said, and I believe this to be true. I said, well, I said, when that thing happened, I said, I was so angry because I knew they went to test them out and they fell for it and they challenging their faith and all that. I said, but really, for this revelation I'm getting, I would bake the cake and I would bless them 
with maybe an extra cake because they knew that they were Christian and they came to challenge them knowing that they would refuse to bake the cake. And what did we do? We just fell right into the trap. What would Jesus have done? That's a challenge for all of us and that's a challenge for you. What would Jesus have done? Jesus would have baked them the most beautiful cake ever because it's not about the cake. It's about saving a soul that is lost because had that woman baked the cake, had the baker or the man baked the cake, they would have said, oh, but this is not what we expected to see. Perhaps the Christians are not as judgmental as we thought they were. And today, that may be challenging some of us, you know, especially as a Nigerian person. That challenges me if I'm going to look at it from the cultural aspect of it. But what would Jesus have done? The woman who committed adultery committed adultery. No sin is greater than the other. Have you ever told a lie? Would you expect Jesus' grace? Have you ever deceived anybody? Would you expect Jesus' grace? Have you ever done things and tell somebody you are not available to do something when it really just because you didn't want to do it? What would Jesus do? That, you know, what I'm just saying is a sin is a sin. It doesn't matter what that the sin is. Jesus' grace is sufficient for them to save anybody. He came to seek. He came to seek and save the lost. Are the gay people lost? Are they lost? Are the people who are addicted to pornography, are they lost? People who commit adultery, are they lost? People who commit fornication, are they lost? The murderers, the, th the thieves, are they lost? Who is not included? in the lost that Jesus came to save. Who is not included in it? As Christians, we need to get off our high horses. We need to start judging people whose sins are too brave for God to forgive. We sit on the judgment seat. And this is, the, we are the people that Jesus is talking to. When he said, you said, I healed in your name. I prophesied in your name. And he said, depart from me. Because the, you know, the people I care about, the will of my, said, those who do the will of my father, they are those who he knows. What is the will of the father? What is the will of the father for the lost? What is his will for them? What is his will for them? If we are, I have done it, I have a friend, Ian, for years, he's been my friend. He was at my wedding. He did, he did struggle. He wanted to wear the, the same cream dress that I wore. He wore a cream suit. He's my friend. Can, Catherine has an elephant that he gave me when I was pregnant with uh, Catherine in hospital. I wasn't well. He brought the elephant, and jokingly, I named the elephant Ian. But, I use that Ian as a point of contact to pray for him all the time, you know? 
And every time I pray for Catherine in bed, I pray for Ian. You know, she still got Ian. And Ian, while we were still, you know, in contact, he did, you know, turn and started going to church and, and stuff like that. And we moved away from London, where it's a different story because you really wanted, needed somebody to disciple him and be alongside him. But Christians, we judge. And because he saw judgment, and because he saw, you know, condemnation, and because he saw people, he stopped going. He stopped going. And that's a soul lost. He wouldn't return my calls because people and the correct Christians are critical and judgmental. So it's now become a blanket Christian. But what you remember, your actions may be to one person, but the whole body of Christ get judged by one person's action. So who is not included in Jesus coming to seek and save? No matter where we were before we found grace, it's no different from where those people are. So when we see people at work, relate to them as you would relate to maybe Pastor Mark or Cheryl or Bob and Eileen. Because sometimes here, in here, we appear so holy. Not just, I'm not talking about faith life alone, I'm talking about the body of Christ. We appear so holy. And yes, when we go out of the door and we see people who truly need Christ, we look at them and thinking, oh my goodness, they're just destroying their lives. That's what we say. They're destroying their lives by drinking, by smoking, by funking, by all other sins that we think they commit. But remember that grace found you just as you were. It found me just as I am because every morning I need that saving grace in my life. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And if you have to bake a cake for gay pride, bake the cake. Because Jesus would bake the cake. Would give them the best cake ever. And then when, they grab, when he grabs their attention to say, I thought you wouldn't bake the cake. You say, why not? I love you. I love you. So I've baked you the cake. Because it's not about the cake. It's not about what you do. It's about you. And I see you for who you are. And then that person would have go back to say, guys, you know, I've met a man who loved me just as I am. I just want to explore him a little bit, you know, and see where he goes. Because they are broken people, just wanting to be loved, just wanting to be accepted, just wanting to receive the grace of God in their life. Amen. Thank you.